Hello and welcome to Two Nerds Sitting on a Couch, in which two nerds sit on a couch and discuss science fiction and fantasy. So we just watched the first episode of the new HBO series, The Nevers. Yep. Which, uh, my I never thought I was going to watch it. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I was on the sorry. fence about whether... <laughs> <laughs> I had never heard of it before. Hadn't you? Well, I had heard of it because, um, you know, there's been some discussion about Joss Whedon and how he's kind of a jerk recently, mm-hmm. and his name is attached to it, but I was like, finally just thought, well, apparently he was thrown off the whole thing, so... I mean, I like the, the stuff that Joss Whedon has done, you know? I mean, I liked his, you know... What was it? Much Ado? Yeah. And his, you know, I mean, I was always a big fan of the, the Firefly and Serenity stuff. Yeah. You know, and, Although, and like, also his Alien movie, which was basically another episode, the first episode, the pilot of Serenity. Yeah. This is very much like steampunk, uh, Buffy. Carnival Row. Oh. <laughs> Carnival Row is out. Yeah, actually, it, this had um, big Carnival Row energy. Although, I, the interesting thing was, like, Carnival Row was crazy boring. Like, they totally, like, the plots were just uninteresting, and the, yeah. and the conflict wasn't even good. It but, felt made up. Yeah. The whole thing was like, now we are going to tell you a story. We're not sure what it's about yet, yeah, but it's we spooky. We haven't figured it out. And yeah, but... But the, all that aside, the world itself is amazing, and I wanted yeah to, like, that whole city eat. block that they built was so yeah. cool. <laughs> I wanted to eat every set. I wanted to buy all of those clothes. Yeah, their clothes like, were good. And I thought that you know it's it's in like not Victorian England, you know. Yeah. Like, and so they it allowed them some latitude to play with things like they have a religion with a hanged man, which is kind of like Jesus with the cross. So they have all these, like, hanged men as, like, religious iconography. And it's, yeah. like, it, and it just sort of, it's jarring and cool. And it sort of puts you, set, like, it, it allows you to sort of look at Christian iconography in a different way. Where you're, like, if you came into this cold, it would look pretty fucking weird. Yeah, right? well, and I think that's the nice thing about, like, a completely made-up world that's just sort of based loosely on our reality is mm-hmm. that you can do that sort of thing. Whereas with... The Nevers, it is our reality with tweaks. I mean, it's it's like it's like you know Victorian X Men. It's the League of Extraordinary X Men, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know, and and this could, because Jack the Ripper is in it. I yep. mean, he features. So we know that this is our world, right? And it has the, like the the big change is that this weird glowy spaceship thing floated through and released some chemtrails, <laughs> and then people got mutated into weirdos. Well, I mean, kind of X Men. I mean, it's very yeah. very much what's going on there and then oh and then the other thing that i noticed was the uh mrs what's her face's home for peculiar children oh big uh bidlow yeah i mean in the in this story it's you know miss bidlow is the one who olivia williams has this orphan, quote unquote <laughs> orphanage for um the touched that's the x-men yeah. are called the touched um 
But, you know, Mrs. Peregrine's is very much the same thing, where you have all these oddball kids who can do these, like... One is very, very tall. Yes, one is tall, one can float. One floats. One can breathe water, and, and it's... And one it's, plays with electricity. Yeah, although I do have to say, kind of sidebar on Mrs. Peregrine's, I always thought, I mean, I always thought that that was just a terrible story, and because it's like, the the idea is that there are these these peculiar children, these very like special children who can do X Men <laughs> who can do these amazing things and to protect them from some kind of vague threat, I, I don't know. They there's like a gargamel character who wants to make them into pie or something. I don't I don't know, right? Yeah, suck their essence out. Right, yeah. I mean it's one of those like just kind Somebody's of always always wants to suck their essence out. I know. It's so yeah. Anyway, so the the best way to deal with this apparently is to take these children and to stick them in a perpetual time loop so that they never age, which is actually a form of hell. You know what I mean? Like you, if you are 13 for your entire life, like that's awful. Like that is not living. That's yeah. some sort of sick joke. I really did like the mechanism though, where it was like, you know, they live this one day in time over and over again, but like, mm-hmm. you know, they don't age, sure, but it's kind of a neat little pocket world that they create, like uh, um, Jane Chatwin's forest in The Magicians, right. where she messes with time in the same way, and so she has this sort of timeless afternoon tea time right. in, the, she... in the spruces, um, and if she ever leaves, she will immediately die because she's ancient. Because it, well, because it's Tiernan Nog, right? Yeah. I mean, it's the it's the floating fairylands, and the time doesn't run the same way. I mean, that's right. literally what Tiernan Nog. Anyway, but I mean, I just but Jane Chapman was an adult when she decided to do that, and that's one thing. Right. Doing this to an eight year old is, I think, something else entirely, and and kind of awful. Yeah, I mean, I guess it comes down to what the alternative is. I mean, if it's like letting them all get their souls sucked out, like, I mean, maybe, maybe soul sucking know. isn't as bad. I don't well, know. It's hard to say. man. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway, but so this this is, you know, it starts. Those things were Victorian, but I don't think they really were steampunk, whereas the Nevers definitely has more of a steampunk element because we have this, like, you know, uh, miss. Uh, true or Adair? I can never remember the true difference between True is the punching them. one. Right. So Miss Adair, who is the, um, like the inventor, she works with electricity because that's her mutant talent or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but she gets to create all of these really, really cool things. You know, she invents yeah. an electric car. Um, she's got like some really sweet clocks and like lightning in a bottle in her little lab and she right. does all kinds of neat things, but it's all, it's all about the gadgets. And then a guy shows up with a Gatling gun strapped to his arm and right. that's pretty sweet. I mean, like all of these little, the little things that, that, um, just sort of are the, are the like earmarks of, um, steampunk that turn Victorian into, it's, it, it's almost like a secular fairyland. You know what I mean? Where right. it's like. You just add some gears, and it just just becomes this really neat little like playground of of alt history. And I, think that, I think that's true of Carnival Row as well. Um, I think that one's extre- yeah. extremely steampunky in terms of its. I mean, it's more it's more like gas lamp fantasy is more like the magical side of it, yeah. but it's still it's still like coming out of the same kind of ideas. Right, right. Yeah, but I'm always a big fan of like the, you know, gears and gears and brass and stuff, you know. I mean, I was I really really liked the 
world of his dark materials, mm-hmm. whether or not the execution of that movie was, you know, something. The movie was a disaster area, and then the series had some failure points. <laughs> yeah, but it's, I mean, for me, it's like those little gadgets that really get me get me excited, and so when they throw the gadgets in, it's like, look, we're steampunk, and it's like, oh, yay, steampunk still isn't dead. Yeah, well, and they also, <laughs> I thought that they dealt with them pretty well here, because, like, I get I get really, really tired of, like, the inventor's daughter trope. Oh, yeah. You know, where it's just like, uh, why couldn't a girl just do that on her own, you know? Right. Like, why does she always have to be somebody's daughter or brother or, you know? Like, right. I mean, I get that that's sort of, in in Victorian England and before, there are, there are tons of women who were working, you know, like, a lot of those early scientists, it's like, actually, it was his daughter or wife or sister who was doing all right. the work. See, and that would be an interesting story. And he's the one who takes the credit because he's the one who can take the credit. Mm-hmm. Um... You know, I mean, even going back to Galileo, like, there's Galileo's daughter who was heavily involved in his work. Yeah. I mean, she wasn't doing it. She was a cloistered nun. (laughs) Right. How much did she do? None. (laughs) Well, some. Anyway, (laughs) um, what was I saying? Oh, but I think, I thought they played with this pretty well. Like, they go to, they go to get this kid who, you know, they, they get reports of these, uh, touched children um, and her not like that though that means that they have these abilities right it, yeah although <laughs> like, I do don't think touch that, the children I do think that they're kind of playing with that a little bit in a in a way yeah well right? they, they it, I mean they play it the exact same way as the X-Men and that's the like the thing with this first episode where I just my I'm left sort of feeling like they haven't really done anything new they've just sort of pasted a lot of other things together so far right Right. And that's that's something that they're going to have to dig themselves out of that and and quick, you know. I mean, like, the whole point of watching the X-Men is because you get to watch all of these mutant talents manifest, mm-hmm. you know. And so we did get to see her driving around an electric car, and we got to see a girl be really big. Mm-hmm. Although I, I do, but, I, I, was, you know, I was trying to get to the point where they, they, like, go and they rescue this child who is basically speaking in tongues. She's right. got, like, some sort of glossalia. And uh, they they leave, you know, they get it, she gets attacked by dudes and they're going to drag her out the window. The punch lady, what's her name? Miss, Miss, Mrs. True, um, you know, punches them, grabs the girl. And then there's like, they're, they're in a carriage. The guys are chasing them in horses. And I was like, oh, I'm glad that they got a car chase scene in this. Yeah. And then, <laughs> liter- and like while they're while they're going, they're like, well, you know, there co- there's some crosstalk where the one is like, well, it's not tested yet. And then she like pulls a pulls a lever. Oh, also, you realize that nobody's driving it. It's an automaton. Oh right. Driving the car. Because one of the bad guys the tries carriage. to kill it. But then she like pulls a lever, and a car like kind of Batman style like shoots out from underneath and off they go and i was like this is actually legitimately awesome like this is a really cool sequence that like introduces like her cool experiments in a cool way yeah and and like everybody in that world recognize it as as cool it's not just mm-hmm. oh that's normal batman's driving around again you know <laughs> i mean it's like they they get back and the um indian woman who doesn't really have a name um, sure she does, and, and her like boyfriend or whatever they, they climb into the car after everybody leaves and they sit down and she's like I want to get married in this car I know <laughs> which is actually great I mean and there there are some sequences that I thought are like if you can keep this up I'm here for it you know like yeah. 
like the 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 woman who owns or runs the orphanage she's got a nephew who's her sort of henpecked nephew and he goes to talk to his like dissolute friend and we're first introduced to him in bed and they like aren't they roommates maybe they're roommates definitely they talked about a past it they went to eaten together Mm -hmm. so i don't know what their relationship was i mean like at first i was like are you guys dating but they they no, are. they're not because like so his buddy has some sex club, right? Is that the idea? Yeah, that's my sense. His like the ferryman is a sex club, and it's it's. I mean, I don't know. They only paint it in really vague strokes, but it sounds vaguely like Moulin Rouge ish, mm-hmm. and it's whatever. So it's a sex club, and so his bargaining chip with his friend, his friend wants him to go to the opera with him, and he's like, "Yes, but you have to come to my sex club." You know, right, he's trying to like right. get him out. But that whole house. sequence is kind of great. Like, they introduce him, he's in bed, and they pan over, and there's, like, a woman and her boobies. And I was like, this is how you know it's on HBO. And then they pan over the other side, and there's a dude. And I was like, That's, now we really know we're on HBO. Yep. Um, then he gets up, and he's got this, like, just really kind of chinoiserie, like, outfit. And, yeah. like, his, his, like, fussy friend is there, like, hemming and hawing and being a goofball. Right. And, like, and, but their, their dialogue was really snappy. Yeah. It was very much the kind of dialogue that you that you sort of expect from like when Whedon is being good. Yeah. That's the kind of dialogue you get. But I think so the 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 downside of all of these Whedon things that I love is that I spend uh, like the like good chunks of new Whedon trying to decipher who his stable of characters is. Like mm. which one is Simon Tam? And which one is Mal in that conversation? Like, you know, you've obviously got River Tam and Malady, right? Because she's crazy and beats people up. And it's like, I mean, yeah. it's never really one-to-one, except for in Alien uh, Resurrection. That was, that was totally completely one-to-one. one-to-one. Yeah. Um, but, it, it, and that's because that's when he was working out Firefly, right? But, I mean, after after I had said that, you were like, yeah, it's it's got the uh, Buffy... Um, Buffy Willow energy between yeah. the two girls yep. uh, who are basically running the orphanage. Yeah, one beats people up, and the other one uses her version of magic instead of fists. Yeah, she you know? yeah she she is is clever and and uh, and it makes things. Yeah, I mean, actually, I think that's how you sold it to me was steampunk Buffy, and I was like, I'm in. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> it, I mean, I don't and know. and it could I be mean, great. Yeah, I don't know. it could be, but it's really going to depend. I mean, because I don't know. I mean, I don't recall how I felt after the first episode of Buffy, because I mean, obviously, the movie had come out first, and it was different from that, and it was like, well, this is weird. But it ended up being one of my favorite shows. You know, at the time, it was like we watched it every week religiously because back right. before the internet, that's what you had to do. Right, right. And you know, I don't know that this. I mean, so this this has got me hooked enough to watch more episodes, and I will give it some rope. Yeah. You know, like it, it's shown me enough. But I mean, the problem with pilots is that I think they often like they're like, look. Here's the whole world, and then they paint the whole world, and then they focus on other stuff that doesn't matter after that. Right, so, right. like, that's the rope that they're getting for the next couple of well, episodes. Well, I mean, they they did they did sort of credibly introduce. I mean, let's see, we've got the two girls at the thing, we've got the woman who runs the place and her nephew, we've got the sex dude, then Detective then we, Monday, the de- Detective <laughs> Monday, which that was really funny. I mean, it's Monday, Monday, which means the world, but, sure, uh, but. It is Detective Monday. Then there's uh, the bad guy called I can't remember. There is there which was bad a, guy? the the bad guy who the, there is a scene that I thought was bad, which was like a bunch of these 
like, I'm British Lord of Industry, and we're all going to sit around and talk about our nefarious plan. Oh, like, what yeah. are we going to do about the touch Cabal problem? in charge. Right. And, and for some reason, they have a, a, a hourglass that they kept flipping over. And yeah, I was like, each one of them had an hourglass. What that'll that'll be revealed mean? later. It, it's probably something to do with their, you know, secret powers themselves. Right. Well, anyway, he, deliver, <laughs> he delivers some monologue about how, like, we have to shut down, like, girls and colored people and stuff because otherwise, you know. They weren't meant to have this kind of yes, power. Yes, we have to reserve for men. Um. They wouldn't know what to do with it. Yeah, and so and so it's all just like gross and and dumb and and way too on the nose, you know, yeah. like. But that's people... I mean that's Whedon's feminism for you. It's fine. Which is not which is non-existent is the problem. No, but I mean yeah, it's just. You know, a baseball bat. Right. Well, and I guess well, also when again it's a it's a pilot, so yeah. they're. They're gonna draw their their bad guys in really broad strokes, and then that's that's what you get, you know. Right, and we were also introduced to Malady, who is the ostensibly the bad the bad person. She's she's the Magneto of the group, where yes. she's like one of the bad X Men, and she's got two buddies. One of whom is Gatling Gunarm, which is not necessarily a um, superpower, but it is a Gatling gun. And then there's then there's um, you know the fireball lady who fireball, is yeah, which we know nothing about. Well, she's got fireballs. That's yeah, I got fireballs too, man. Goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. Yes. So of them, like, so they're they're the bad guys, but because like at first, it, it, like, we're just led to believe that that like Melody is a serial killer type, right? But now she that she's got friends, it's like wait, there's something else going on, right? And that you know we have to watch out, whatever. And um, she could definitely, like, she was given, so she shows up at the opera, which is, like, kind of a big social deal in Victorian England, right? And uh, she shows up, and it's Faust, of course. Right. Um, and, like, slits the guy who's playing the devil's throat, and then, and then hangs out being crazy on stage for... Like I felt almost an uncomfortably long. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was she was she was um, Bellatrix from she Harry Potter totally for a while, Bellatrix where she was just stage. dancing around on stage, all unkempt, and being like, "Why aren't we killing more people?" You know, yeah. and it's just sort of like, yeah. And I thought that there was definitely like a just there's a level at which that 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 sort of like like pretty crazy lady manic pixie nightmare girl yes <laughs> um is is a is a trope that i don't necessarily appreciate all that much you yeah. know and i don't i don't see them doing my guess is they're gonna flip that at some point and she's gonna be the good guy that would be just i'm gonna i'm gonna throw that um dart at the at the dartboard now i don't know where that's gonna end up going ultimately but i do feel like the the uh, I, I i mean i hesitate to talk about the the whole like x-man aspect of this because people with mutant powers is its own trope that um i think the x-men did really well like some some series do it better than others you know umbrella academy yep. there's the, the just about any superhero thing i mean the midnight's children <laughs> midnight's children oh my god that's so wonderful that you brought that up this looks sort of like grand national like <laughs> Magical realism of India's birth as a nation. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's the X Men. Yeah, it really you know? is. Uh, 
Oh, that's so great. I feel like writing Salman Rushdie a letter right now. I'm going to do yeah. it. Yeah, how does it feel to have written Dear some X-Men fanfic, Mr. Salman? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, in, in all of those, they handle they handle the, the superpowers in, in different ways. Like sometimes it's, I, I mean, obviously superpowers are generally going to be fantastical. It's like, I mean, you can't just have a mutation in a gene and then suddenly be able to create fireballs on your hands, right? I mean, that's there's no gene that codes for fireballs. So, I mean, obviously there's something more going on here than, well, than that. A, it's it was like, a big magical ship thing that big magical pixie dust. I mean, I oh right, but it didn't it, just it didn't just. I mean, it's obviously imbued them with some sort of fantasy abilities, right? You know, and and they don't spend too much time talking about it other than it's chemtrails, right? Mm-hmm. And I can totally, I'm I'm behind chemtrails. That, mm-hmm. In fact, they don't even have to explain it further than that. It's like chemtrails and now we have people who can you know be really big yeah i'm fine with it because it's just a it's just like a i mean it's like literally a plot device it is a device that makes the plot happen (laughs) it was even kind of shaped like a football it was hidden until the very end and then (laughs) where where we find out that like so obviously mrs uh uh adair no true i get them confused because this is true who's understood to be a widow uh she was carrying a basket of bread through some alleys at the beginning and jumped into the Thames. Which, and then at yeah. the end, like when she was touched, she had already been drowned, and it brought her back to life. And this is her superpower: is like what maybe not being able to get killed and I don't think that we punching know her things really hard because at one point, oh, oh my God, I forgot Nick Frost plays the like oh the beggar king beggar king which yeah. i thought was a really lovely turn for him yeah that was like, a, it was a well-developed character i think too because it's like everybody's scared of him and, and he was great because and because he, he normally plays lovable doofs yeah right like he is he is a master at the lovable doof yeah and like he managed to pull out like just the right amount of menace that I was like, yep, yep, I'm buying this. Yeah, no, it was sort of a I'm Five a Nights at Freddy's thing. It's like, it's, he's kind of cute and roly-poly, but he'll kill you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that that scene was pretty pretty neat. I was I was going to kind of mention it anyway, because it's... Um, I, I always like it when you have characters who are represented to be tough guys, and then you have our main character interacting with them in ways that... Um, forces them to do what they want them to do without just getting killed and without having it be some sort of like you know uh, battle of wills it's like you know i mean he kind of describes her plot to her which Mm -hmm. is to let everybody know that she's called to him to you know for aid or whatever Mm -hmm. and then kind of forcing his lot in with hers Right. As protection, she, well, which he's was... going to do because, like, he doesn't want to get killed by whoever these, these you know, shock troops are anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it ends up being the sort of thing where it's like, um, that happened in uh, uh, the Constantine, speaking of steampunk, that was, yeah, yeah. there was some good steampunk shit in there, too. Um, but that was how, that was how Constantine dealt with Lucifer in hell, where he was like, you know, he pulls, he pulls out of his ass like this reason why not only should they not kill him and keep him in hell, but like mm-hmm. they should let him go and fix his lung cancer, right? Because it's like, you know, he's he's just that good, right? And he's just a dude, you know. <laughs> so I like that scene because is not just a dude, you know. No, that's true. But I mean, I like that scene because it it kind of paints um, Miss True as 
you know, she's not just a, a somebody who punches things. Yes, she 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 has clever. like yeah, she's very she, and she can manipulate him into um, protecting her because she needs protection. Like this whole orphanage needs protection, and he has the means to do that, which I thought was I thought that was pretty good. I mean, I think that's good writing. Yeah. Okay. So this is this is my theory about what's going on there. Cause cause I brought up that scene because. At the end of it, he like puts a he puts a straight edge to her face mm-hmm. and says, you know, if this goes wrong, I'm gonna cut your face up. And she says, This is not my face, right? Mm-hmm. And so what I understood happened in the last scene. So in the last so we we get the the opening scene is three minute three years in the past, and then we see a bunch of stuff happen, and then we go back to three years in the past and we see where all of those people we saw initially what happened to them, right? right. And, Except um, I don't think we we haven't met the um, the uh, I don't know Chancellor of the Exchequer's daughter who is right. the, that so guy this, like this she is, got touched and we is, don't know her right and this is my this is my theory right so we see all of the characters that we've seen get you know get the glowy stuff mm-hmm. touches them and, and it's not just women as it turns out and it's not just women um, but uh, so this the guy who we understand to be the bad guy. Uh, the the Shecker guy, he sees his daughter come out of the house. She gets the little glowy things on her, and then she falls over. And once she's fallen over, we cut then to um, Mrs. True in the water, and she wakes up. Mm-hmm. And so, fan theory, possible that that little girl ended up in her body. The girl is dead. Huh. I mean, maybe I'm just saying. I kind of got the sense that when when she said that you know this isn't my my face, um, it made me wonder if uh, she wasn't talking about being undead, and that's why the voodoo doctor just sews her up and she's fine, or whatever. Because he didn't like, sew her up though. He like uses like ET fingers on her. To... Right. His ET sewing up fingers. Right. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I, I like your theory because that means that there is a weird ghostly spirit girl who can ride around in undead corpses too. You right, know? right. Or something. Although, I mean, I guess it, it does interest, like my little fan theory is maybe like a little esoteric, but I mean, it also like, it sort of makes you think back to her conversation with the the bad guy because she meets him at the at the opera and I don't really I didn't see her like freaking out in a way that I would expect if it were yeah I mean his I daughter. I think that they they have different things because her her um she's also got precognition as oh yes that's uh, her thing is you know thing and but punching people she, I mean she punches people too she yeah she punches good I mean I think that maybe it's that she doesn't well no she can feel pain because she talks about it hurting but yeah yeah it's not like a healing factor like wolverine or something no 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 because it's yeah, just you know she the, can take a punch i guess right she doesn't seem to mind jumping through a stairwell down yeah, that, four flights that of stairs was another um extremely silly and i don't know if this is hbo or the writers or what but she like jumps down one of those like cir- you know it's a circular stairway i mean it's square but there's so there's a central right like, like spiral column. square column um, she like jumps down the middle of that column and like literally her dress gets pulled off. 
so that she, I mean, it's just like. It like umbrellas out, catches on banisters, and then she like, yeah, rides it down. Rides it down, with like Mary Poppins style. Which, yeah. and I was just like, this is like Bill and Ted, like falling down the stairs and being like, yeah, I fell out of my suit. Yeah, you know what totally. I mean? Like, this is not, this is goofy as fuck. So then she has to finish the fight in her corset. And then get into another fight outside with some would-be rapists and Yeah, you know, the like random up. would-be rapist I also have a problem with. I just That's I That's so the other side of, of Joss Whedon's feminist baseball bat though, you know? I mean Yeah, it's garbage though. No, it totally is, but I mean that's that's his his strong female characters for you. TM. But yeah, her <laughs> when I put this up against things like the first episode of game of thrones for example i find fair analogy well no it is hbo yeah i mean yeah they're both hbo or 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 westworld yep Yep. both both westworld and game of thrones came out of the gate so strong yeah i mean it it just it felt so much more um vibrant than than this did and i and you know i mean I, and i love steampunk and i think the world is great but like it really it feels like it was lacking in in something i don't know in, in production design or because i mean the the cgi stuff was a little on the underdeveloped side like, the story is a little i mean it's it's joss whedon and it's not like it's not you know avengers you know, it's not like it's not like his best writing. You know what I mean? It's just we also don't know. I mean, I know that he, I know that he was associated with this at the beginning. I know that he left left it at some point. Well, and he may not have so written I it. Don't, he just directed it. I have no it, idea sure. how much he wrote it. I do know that that some of the writers like came up through Buffy, so they would have kind of cut mm. their teeth on that kind of writing. Yeah. Um, but a lot of that stuff, like both, you know, Firefly and Buffy, the things that I really liked about it is that they did not take themselves seriously. And I'm feeling like this thing is taking itself very seriously so far. And I, and I think that they have to get away from that or mm-hmm. that's going to be a problem because, because they're not Game of Thrones. They're not Westworld. They, right. they, they, and they have to be their own thing. And hopefully it'll be, you know, self-referential or um, wittier or right. something. It's got to have something that, that makes it itself. Otherwise... Well, right. It's I mean, because like the, the scenes that I thought were the best, like the the two guy, like the sex club guy and the and the fussy guy, like they they really bounced off of each other. Good. Yeah. Like they had like they had Hugo and Augie. <laughs> it is Hugo and Augie, isn't yeah, it? It is. Anyway, but they, just that you know they had like really really good chemistry. You know. Yeah. And, like, they had a and, good relationship. And I kind of hope for that more with um the two ladies the uh miss true and miss adair adair like they didn't have the same necessarily well and i feel like he was gesturing at it when like you know um so miss uh which one is is penance that's a dare. Penance isn't it? a dare. Miss a dare. She's, she's in her. She's she's in her like steampunk laboratory, and she picks up two umbrellas and walks out. And we're like, that's weird. Why does she have two umbrellas? And then she tosses one to her buddy who comes out some other door, mm-hmm. and they meet in the courtyard. And now they have their umbrellas, and they go off walking. And you're just like, why'd she give her an umbrella? Boy, that's weird. And later, you find out it's a taser umbrella, Which and you're is like, so awesome. oh, that's why she gave her an umbrella. Okay, that's pretty no, neat. I mean, I have to say, knowing it was steampunk, I was like, that umbrella can shoot you or something. Yeah. Like, like. <laughs> I mean, yeah, really. It's totally a taser umbrella, which is neat, you know. And and so like they they that scene I think was sort of gesturing at their relationship. And, yeah, yeah. And I mean, there are little little things that sort of point at like they have a relationship that's like you know um, 
based on mutual trust and they you know at yeah. one point like uh amalia sort of starts freaking out she's got some sort of agoraphobia or something mm-hmm. and you know so penance grabs her hand and you know calms her down whatever and so they have like a more personal right and it's completely relationship. unspoken she like she can see that she's having a freak out yeah and, and i mean like to be honest i don't know that we would have had the the buffy willow relationship that we we came to know and love without, you know, five seasons of it under our belt. And so, sure, like, this sure. is a pilot, so it's a lot harder to just to yeah, get there the from here. So, I mean, that's why I want to give it a lot of, a lot more rope. Yeah, no, it's true. And even maybe Although a pull in some say, gears. I see, I, I just kind of feel like we, if we could just take all of these people and then put them in the carnival rosettes. Because there's, yeah. some, there's something about those Some carnivals. of the costumes were all right in this. Yeah, no. They, they were not were, Carnival yeah, Row, though. They were all fine. <laughs> I, I just, like, I don't know who did all of that. But it was, like, it was the right amount of dirty. Mm-hmm. And it was the right amount of lived in. And the right amount of um, just fucking weird and idiosyncratic. Yeah. You know? Like, you definitely got a sense of personality from all the interiors. And, yeah. And, uh, like, and of the characters, mm-hmm. specifically. Um, and I felt that a little bit in some places here, like the, the, the worker's house that the, the Irish family that, that has the girl who can speak Mm -hmm. in tongues, like the satanic child, yeah, the mother is so funny. Um, but their house I thought was really good. I thought that was a a nice little, like it was, it it felt almost, uh, it was, it felt like it was made on a, like a scale, like a. Like slightly smaller than one to one, you know. Right, it's like, like the Weasley's house, right? You know, or so it's sort of like quirky and yeah. Well, and also just the sense that it's it's too small for them, and right. and like you gotta duck to get through the doors or something. There's something right. really confining about it. Well, because it was built really during well. the Black Death when people were shorter, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. But but it's but it is nice, and I I kind of can't think of another interior that's yeah, I mean, because the, 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 the lab, the steampunk lab, was kind of almost generic steampunk lab, even less so because, I mean, the time machine lab was pretty awesomely I steampunk. I felt like it was even, I mean, it was also just so, like such a ridiculously large space. Yeah. I was just like, come on, really? <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, it should have it should have been filled with more like horror vacui, you know, or been more attic-y or something. Right. I, you know, right. it had all these big windows, and I was just like, I just don't. I just yeah. don't understand where you're getting the money to do this, you know. <laughs> yeah, but then, it just but then felt that's sort my thing. It's just like, what's what's the budgetary constraints of your like orphanage? Right. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and it almost it didn't quite get to the level that like what I really hate about some steampunk interpretations is that they will just paste some gears on something mm-hmm. and call it a day, and it's like the gears actually have to mesh with each other and do something. Right. Like, I don't care what they do. Like you can have gears on a time machine, and it's like when they spin, then. Time changes. I don't care as long as they actually mesh and it's not just pasted down. Right. So like, like that, and I it, like her, her lab at least felt like the stuff in it did things. Right. Even but if it, you didn't it was quite a lot. get it was a lot the purpose, but yeah, I mean, I really thought that um, the the what was the it was uh, twenty four. That had that really amazing, oh my god, like For steampunk like production in the lab. Movie that that was. They, that lab they, was brilliant. They got cool. their lab was just perfect. Yeah, that one was really nice. Yeah, nice so. lab. But anyway, we'll find out. I mean, these are every week, right? So What's presumably, that? These... yeah, they're every week. And that's why I feel like this, like, yeah, it's HBO, and you can only tell it's HBO because of the tits and the bisexuality <laughs> and and the the swearing. 
and not because of the writing and the punctuality or the the uh, production design and the you know right. the things that that to me are the real hallmarks of it like they don't even have that great of an intro you know i mean like game of thrones had a steampunk intro with like an orchestral like that was composed by somebody who clearly gave a shit about their job yeah this, and this, this was, was scored, just sort of, huh. this was scored very much with like we're going to do a lot of sort of mournful um violins yeah. in a sort of generic ken burnsy style yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like the one of the things about Carnival Row is that they really pulled off the um, Lady Cotterly's photos of fairies feeling, you know, yes. where it's like where you have like the Brian Froud fairies books where they're all, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean that they they really pulled that off. And that's one of the things that I love about Victoriana is the is the naturalism of their, you know, I mean, you'll have all of these these drawings of plants and that's right. what what i think carnival road did really well was it had all these naturalistic drawings of, of fairies and and that sort of thing really gets me that yeah i think that's a part of steampunk and it came in through all of like the you know the dragonology and the wizardology books right originally sort of and, naturalists you know. eye like before, yeah before naturalists turned into scientists yeah or like everything that brian froud has done and and that sort of thing was completely missing from this. There was none of that in the production design. And I feel like there's and there's I, I keep feeling like there's these holes in it that I, I would really like to have been filled because the less they fill those holes in, the more the gears don't mesh and you're just kind of super gluing them onto the cover of a notebook and saying, Here's my steampunk notebook. Yeah, no, it's true. Although and and also, I mean, they're doing a lot to sort of like gesture to some sort of tragic backstory for Mrs. True, who is clearly our our heroine. She's our right. Buffy Summers, right? Right. And like they're gesturing to all this stuff, but if they don't if they just like hide that football inevitably and then have it as a reveal in the last episode or something like I hate that like that's not that's not a story that's a situation right and so the only tension is from the viewer not actually knowing what's going on which mm -hmm. sucks that's a shitty source of narrative tension that's unless not you're the x-files in which case don't ever tell us what's going on because no, no, that's no, when we hate not. you right. but with this yeah no I think that's right especially because we don't really know what Malady's um, mm -hmm. trick is, other than her eyes turn into yellow, you know, yeah, and she headbutts you yeah. a lot, and she likes to kill people and be crazy, but, I mean, that's not a special talent. It's, the, like, the eye thing is weird, but what does it do? Maybe she's, like, speaking of S-Men, what's the beast one where he's a beast and that's his power, is being a beast? <laughs> yeah. Is it, what's his name? The Beast. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little on the nose, isn't it? <laughs> what he is. Wait, guess what Magneto's power is? He's magnetic. <laughs> okay, but but the beast is really just a beast, though, right? That's yeah. his only power. Yeah. That's dumb. Well, but he's got blue fur. <laughs> no, that's somebody else. No, that's the beast. No, the... Uh, oh. No. Well, whatever. It doesn't matter. There's the Wolverine, who is not a Wolverine. He just has claws that come out of his... Yeah, I know who the Wolverine yeah, is. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. You didn't know who the what the beast's name was? <laughs> It's like the bus that couldn't slow down. Well, that's all he does is stand around and look menacing with some teeth. Yeah, he. Yeah, it's that's not, true. Not, not that great. And there's power. a couple of ones that do that too in the X Men, and you're just sort of like, oh, no, well, but you run out of powers on. at a point, you know. Yeah, well, and that's the problem with these like mutant talent ones is that like, what what are their powers? You know, like right. we still don't really know what what Miss um, True's powers are. Well, she's a precog. <clears throat> well, but I mean, she also 
punches people a lot. And just, is that just she, because she's a badass? I don't know, I man. Maybe it's just because she's a badass. Maybe, I guess. Uh, yeah, but we also don't know what the what Augie's no, and power I don't think is. That we understood that he had one. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of people in the audience that pop out too because when one lady sings, she like connects them all or something, and it's like, oh, her power is connecting all of the mutants. Oh, that made me think of like in the very, very first uh, X Men movie, like uh, Xavier, uh, Professor Xavier makes this horrifically stupid thing called cerebro which allows him to like go in and put on a hat and see all the all the um mutants and i was like oh so this lady is basically a walking cerebro yeah which i thought was dumb but that's okay well i mean we don't really know what her power is though because like why did she start singing at that point when she's being terrorized on stage by the crazy lady like right. she must have she must have thought that her power would do something i thought her power was to sort of like chill people out yeah, maybe, but they still got her. It didn't work, yeah. No, yeah. Who knows? I don't know. We'll find out. There's still, there's a lot of footballs that are Yeah, so we'll see. But I mean, revealed. this is an hour. They introduced nine, ten people, so, in, and I can keep them separate, so that's actually reasonably good. Yeah, well, and there's presumably an infinite number of orphans at the orphanage who they can pull out of their butts whenever they want to have yeah, a cool no, superpower. Yeah, you can have an orphan of, a, of the week if you really want to get into it. Yeah, well, I mean, they saved a person already. Yeah, yeah, that's right. All right, well, I thought that was fine. Yeah, I'll watch, I'll watch more. All right, high five. Okay. Thank you.